Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now... Here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning to you on this September the 22nd of the year 2022. Good to be with you today. And we've got sunshine. And man, it feels like fall today, doesn't it? I know if fall doesn't officially arrive until, I guess, after 8 o'clock tonight, central time. But man, it felt like it this morning. It was very refreshing. The uh, change in the temperature just from yesterday and headed for a high of a 68 today and down to 44 tonight. So get ready for that if you're uh, heading to the football game tonight. Great to have you with us. I'm Brian Barnhart here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. As you heard Gene mention, 217-356-9397. Text line available to you. Castle Heating and Cooling, 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at WDWS.com. We'll have an open line here this first hour. And then the second hour, uh, C. Lotness will join us from uh, over the uh, Geese College of Business at the University of Illinois, Professor Emerita, a research professor in the marketing area. And we're going to talk about Queen Elizabeth. Of course, just had the funeral on Monday. We'll kind of put a, put a wrap on the Queen and uh, her legendary uh, status in Britain, Great Britain, and around the world for that much. Four billion people watched it, uh, the funeral. So we'll talk to her about that. And really, and she's been in the, uh, we've had her on before, of course, uh, talks about the royal family brand going forward and what that's going to look like with uh, King Charles, which is still odd to say, and the Queen Consort Camilla and... William and Harry and all that's happening there and um, how this will impact things in Great Britain and around the world. What about the monarchy? Is there a future for it? And so forth. All of that with uh, our royal watcher-watcher, as she calls herself. See a lot in us in the second hour. Of course, we've got football tonight, 7.30 kickoff, 5.30. Illini game day from Grange Grove. Should be a great night for football, so we hope you'll get out there. And uh, root this team on and get them to 3-1 and one ahead of a trip to Wisconsin on October 1st. But got to beat the uh, Mocs of uh, Chattanooga. They're in the division called FCS, which is where uh, teams like Illinois State and Southern Illinois and teams at that level, just uh, in, in football anyway. And, of course, uh, those teams have pulled off some wins. Southern Illinois won at Northwestern last week. Uh, Marshall. Um, Appalachian State over the years, teams that have been very good FCS teams, some have moved up to Division One over the years. But um, there's some good teams out there. We'll see how good they are. They haven't really played um, high-caliber competition or teams that are rebuilding, as in the case of Eastern Illinois, trying to rebuild over there in Charleston. But uh, they are 3-0, and ranked ninth in the country at FCS, and the Illini will uh, try to get to 3-1 and tonight. Looks like everybody except for Josh McRae should be back. Uh, McRae's still out with his injury. Chase Brown, of course, leading rusher in the country. Tommy DeVito, six touchdown passes so far and got a 7.30 Thursday night game. A lot of Hall of Famers in. Jeff George, he's featured today 
in the News Gazette. I think he's having a tailgate somewhere out there. And uh, I know Ron Gunther, we talked to him yesterday. If you missed any of that, go to WDWS.com. And all the great student athletes, former athletes that are in town this week for the uh, Hall of Fame ceremonies tomorrow night at State Farm Center. And, of course, you got the uh, Central football game coming up on Saturday, Centennial of, against Danville, our featured game on our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. I start down this path, I forget all of the things we're doing. And it's a lot here on all of our stations here in this building. 910 at DWS, open line this first hour. And, of course, uh, news overseas. Uh, the president spoke at the U.N. yesterday. Uh, Putin of Russia making threats, calling up 300,000 reservists, I guess. He might be um, in a little trouble here because I think the Russians expected to be able to just kind of march through Ukraine and have that thing over in about a month. And here we are, how many months later? Six, seven months later. And the Ukrainians pushing back. And so it may wind up being some sort of a stalemate for now. We'll see in that part of the world. Uh, Martha's, Martha's Vineyard and all the discussion of the illegal immigrants and all that's happening there, that continues to be a hot-button issue. The um, winners of that $1.3 billion Mega Millions finally came forward. It's been about a month, I think, since they announced there was a winner. I guess there's two, and they're splitting the pot of $1.3 billion. After taxes, I think it's $750 million or something like that. But they are remaining anonymous, as they can do in Illinois. Rents are way up. Muhammad teachers look to ratify teachers and support staff, the agreement that was reached a couple of nights ago. That continues. want to remind you coming up, been a lot of talk about the uh, Safety Act, Safety Act. Uh, we'll have State Senator Scott Bennett and State's Attorney Julia Reitz coming up in early October, back-to-back -back on a two-hour show. There'll be uh, Scott will be one hour and Julia the next, so we can certainly talk about that. Monday morning quarterbacks coming up on Monday. Tomorrow we'll talk a little bit about uh, making sure you get registered to vote or partake in early voting if you'd like to do that coming up here at the end of this month. And then we'll just roll right into October. i got a flashback Friday a week from tomorrow. Got a game tonight, long day uh, here in our building for a lot of us. And uh, we'll be over there uh, ready for the game tonight at 730 right here on the radio. 9-12, a break. We'll get it started here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. What's on your mind today up until 10 with the open line? We'll talk royal family in the second hour. After this, on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Good to have you with us. Nine sixteen on a penny for your thoughts here this morning on a game night. Yeah, the biggest thing difference is on a Saturday. Obviously, um, a lot of us you know are not working on Saturday, and so you just kind of get ready to gear up for the game. But most of us are working today, and then you go into the game, and it's going to be a late night, but should be a great night. And I hope you make it over to. Support uh, Brett Bielema's football team here at Memorial Stadium. All right, a couple of uh, texts here that have come in off the top as we uh, welcome an open line here. Uh, hi, Brian. Tonight's game could definitely be a trap game. Don't sleep on the mocks. Have a great day. I uh, do have a mobile quarterback, and they've got a very good running back who was uh, first-team all-conference last year. 
Alim Ford is his name, so you can watch for him. I think Illinois' defense has been playing lights out. So, And uh, the moccasins, uh, the mocks, frankly, are not uh, very big up front in different spots, uh, especially on the defensive line. Offensive line, a couple of, couple of linemen, and I say not big, it's all relative. But uh, in today's college football, you basically, you to be competitive, you got to have guys that are 310, 320, 330 pounds. Uh, the couple of the linemen for Chattanooga are about 280. So I, I would think over time you would just uh, naturally have an advantage. And the depth issues are always a big deal. I know that's one thing Brett Bielema has been working on with his team is getting more depth at various positions. Uh, I got a text here about the Trump interview on Hannity last night. Uh, Sean Hannity interviewed the former president. Talked quite a bit about declassifying documents. But uh, this listener says, I watched the Trump interview on Hannity last night. He's literally kidding himself with his definition of declassification and how it can happen. No wonder he's got multiple problems all at once. Well, the one interesting comment he did make, and I, I just heard the clip of it on the news, was he said something about if I even think about it, it's declassified. <laughs> My guess is he's exaggerating. I know he's exaggerating, but it's like, no, I don't think that I don't think it works that way. So um, that was just an interesting thought. I was like, yeah, okay, I don't think that's right. A lot of things I wish I could think that this would happen or that would happen, but um, I think you've got to be a little more official than that. All right, uh, 919 here at DWS, but I have no doubt that it wasn't him moving the boxes. It was whoever's, you know, they have people that do that sort of thing, that move boxes around. Now, whether he should have held on to them or somebody went, should have gone through them and said, hey, we need to return this stuff without being asked, that's a whole other issue. 919, Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400, DWS. Alan, I think, talking a little football. How you doing, sir? Pretty good. Uh, speaking of all that stuff, Brian, how could everybody keep track of all that anyway? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, uh, you know, when there's a transition of a presidency, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts. But um, Well, we all know what this is. It's a political move. If this is uh, two years, well, two years later or two years earlier, they wouldn't be pushing for this. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Mm. Well, he's facing a lot of stuff on a lot of multiple fronts. There's no doubt about that. That's true. Uh, looking forward to the football game. Perfect weather, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little bit breezy, but I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to go on record and say this Chattanooga team's better than Virginia and Wyoming. Hmm. What do you think? I don't know. Um, I'm just talking to their folks. Um, the teams they've beaten weren't very good last year, frankly. Um, Eastern really struggled. Um, of course, uh, North Alabama, I think, won one or two games. Wofford they beat this year, only won one game last year. So I don't know how good they are. I don't know if, I don't know if they know how good they are. Well, they gave Kentucky all they wanted last year, and they got they did. most of their players back from that. They did. No, they lost by and five. Kentucky's You're right. A, Kentucky's a good team. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think you can. Got, I don't think you can go to sleep on them for sure. But I, I just think we're more physical. I think we're better overall, and I think Chase Brown could have a huge night. So, in my mind, well, I'll be right. I'm 
really looking forward to it. It's going to be a nice, nice night. It's better than 95 sweating and everything. And maybe we won't have so many players laying on the ground with uh, muscle cramps. Yeah. From the heat. Yeah. Man, we've had a lot of those. Oh, man. That, that, that slows the game down a lot when you got to wait on that, too. It does. Yep. Between that and replay, it slows everything down. Uh, don't get me started on replay. <laughs> I know. I know that's a sensitive subject for you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, okay. We'll all right. see you tonight, Brian. Thanks, Alan. Bye. Good to see you, 921. Yeah, we'll be, if you want to come by and see us at all, ever, uh, in Grange Grove, if you come in on the west side where the entrance is to Grange Grove, and you can always go in Grange Grove. There's not a, there's no fee to get in there. There's no, you can go in whatever you'd like. Um, and people set up tents, and they play bags, and they play. They throw the football around, and it's a very festive atmosphere. We're right inside the main gate there as you enter on the west side uh, with our broadcast tent and our WDWS WHMS 107.9 as well uh, tent. We'll be getting set that up as well. 922, the Beef House in Covington, Indiana. Maybe you want to make a trip uh, over to the Beef House today for lunch. You could do that. They do have the buffet. They have the regular menu, but you can certainly uh, partake of the buffet, which is a great way to do it. Take your group over for lunch. Big rule of thumb is, and it's a rule around here, is if you go over there for lunch from work, you better bring back something, Beef House rolls or whatever, and you can get Beef House rolls to go. And you can get them either frozen or you can get them fully cooked. Bring them back. Walk around the office and hand them out. You'll be a hero. But uh, make sure you say hi to Bob and Bonnie Wright no matter when you go, if it's for lunch today or some other time. They have a huge menu, a lot of variety of uh, great items. So if you've got family or friends in town for the game or for the Hall of Fame ceremonies or it's a Thursday night game and they're spending the weekend, whatever the case is, you can join us at the Beef House, Exit 4, Covington, Indiana. Let's see here. Uh, did you get a chance to watch Episode 3 of the Ken Burns documentary? I have not seen that. And do you see to where it's just an infomercial, I'm sorry, infomercial for open borders propaganda? No, I have not seen that. So, uh, But I am anxious to see it a little bit. Uh, in regards to um, the Ken Burns documentary and all that's uh, involved there. 924, he always does really, really good work. Big article today, Ron DeSantis is Trump's Democrat slaying Frankenstein monster, and they're heading for a deadly showdown. Donald Trump was the modern-day Dr. Frankenstein, and Ron DeSantis is this monster whom he has repeatedly came, claimed credit for creating when he first endorsed him to be governor of Florida. And though the former president doesn't realize it or doesn't want to realize it, the monster he is now made is out of his control, rampaging across the Washington and media skyline like Boris Korloff on speed. A more ruggedly handsome version, though. Says DeSantis is a cunning, ruthless, whip smart operator with astute political instincts who shares much of his mentor's worldview but comes without any of the crazier baggage. He's 44 years old. He's 31 years younger than Trump, 35 years younger than Biden, and he represents both men's worst nightmare as an opponent. 
And for evidence of this, he said, look no further than the onslaught of abuse and vitriol being hurled at him from all the usual liberal suspects over his decision to fly 50 Venezuelan migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Late-night hosts had a collective spleen explosion. Trevor Noah inferring the DeSantis as an ignorant racist. Stephen Colbert branding him a name. Seth Meyers calling him cruel and sadistic. Ghoulish and cruel. New York Times weighed in, says DeSantis is similar to Trump in his ability to use the levers of state to amass power, but he's also meaner and more rigid without the soft edges and eccentric nature of the actual Donald Trump. <laughs> this uh, writer was pointing out, wow, soft edges of Donald Trump. <laughs> so anyway, they were uh, you know that they've... Uh, Usually in politics, you know you've either you've hit too close to the truth or you've hit a home run when people squeal. And uh, this whole thing with Martha's Vineyard has really hit a nerve. So it's kind of interesting to watch the reaction. Talking about in Washington especially, the Washington or the New York elite or whoever is out there. Uh, you know you've hit close to home. Hi, Zoe. Hey, good morning, Brian. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day out. It is. Good day for football. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, well, I just wanted to say a couple things. First of all, you just reminded me when you mentioned Venezuela, they emptied out their prisons, their, you know, or whatever, and sent them up here, to, you know, coming toward us. That's what so, the I'll Homeland Security at. says, yeah. There's a memo on all of that. Mm -hmm. And why not? I mean, if the border's open, Senate, that's what uh, Castro. That's what Castro did back in what yeah, the late seventies. Right. His... Right. The other, th the thing I called about was, uh, I think, uh, you know, of course, Trump did make the point in that interview that he does have the right to declassify, mm -hmm. and uh, but I think when he said he could do it with his mind, he was he was trolling them. Mm -hmm. You know, that I to me that's so much fun. I actually enjoy that. It just bugs them. It just bugs the daylights out of them and I like it because he knows he knows it's gonna irritate them. And I, I like irritating them. Yeah. They deserve to be no, irritated. No, he do, he does that. Uh, that's uh, as we've observed over the years, there's there's a little um I don't know what it is, a, um, a Trumpism or whatever that he does. He says things like mm -hmm. that that most people, most people would go, okay, he's exaggerating, he's kidding, and some people take it way too seriously. But. Yeah, exactly, and I, I just have gotten to where I enjoy it. I know at first, before I kind of caught on to what he was doing, it, it, it bothered me, because I'd say, well, he's not being accurate, but now I just laugh. I just enjoy, I just go with it and, and roll with it, and it's fun for me. So, anyway, I know it's not fun for everybody, but I, <laughs> I just enjoy it. Wanted to say that. Yeah. So what do you, what do you make of DeSantis? I mean, if he were to run, what you know, where do you think you imagine, Republicans would go? Imagine if the two of them teamed up. Yeah. And you know, it would be unstoppable. That's uh, potentially could happen. Mm hmm. I mean, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Mm hmm. So. Very good. I, I'm enjoying watching him too. <laughs> so he's got a lot of money behind him too. So I mean, a lot of um. So we'll we'll see. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank Thanks, you, Zoe. Brian. Watch out for the train there behind you. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> About every half hour I hear one go by here. All right. Thanks a lot, Thank Brian. you. All right. Bye-bye. Yep, 929. I grew up with that in Tolono. Always heard the trains.
All right, a quick break. Back with more here in just a moment on A Penny for Your Thoughts on an open line here up until 10. We'll talk royal family with our royal watcher, watcher. See you a lot in us after this. Everyone falls down sometimes, but you just got to know it'll all be fine. It's okay. Uh-huh. It's okay. got some news headlines coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Here as we work our way into the latter stages of September. Budget for life and reap the rewards, Busey says. Budget for life. Things can be unpredictable. One had that hailstorm the other day. That was not predicted, right? Or severe weather was, but we had some lights on our back porch that uh, got shredded (laughs) from the hail. That was uh, unpredictable. But Busey says for graduates, whether earning a regular income, they say to start to save for retirement, pay off student loans, plan for emergencies. If you're a young couple, not understanding budgets among the most heated topics for young couples, know your financial history. Do you want to have a joint or separate bank account? How you'll pay bills, your future together for parents, initial expenses when shopping for baby, separate emotion from need, daycare. Education and emergencies, these are all things that come up. Empty nesters, we just entered that world. You may spend less day-to-day, however, new expenses like college expenses may emerge. You can itemize, categorize, organize spending habits, look at long-term care. Retirees, prepare for health care costs, decide whether to keep the mortgage or pay off the house. Busey can help with all of that. Visit Busey.com or any of their many locations in our area. 9.33, need to do the update here at the bottom of the hour. Come back with more Open Line on a penny for your thoughts up until 10 o'clock here this morning. See you a lot in us after 10. Tomorrow, some more Open Line time as we hit Friday. But we've got a game tonight. Long day in our building for all of us here. We're getting ready for it, looking forward to it here on a penny for your thoughts. Back in a moment. Well, it was this day, September 22nd, 1994, Friends debuted on NBC 28 years ago today. Family Ties debuted on this day 40 years ago. And the Emancipation Proclamation, really important event, occurred on this day, September 22nd, 1862, from President Lincoln. So some history there. And you may have been at this. Let's go back to the uh, Wayback Machine, shall we? And uh, do that 37 years ago today, just across the road, where we have a football game tonight. This was happening. Eddie Van Halen. Johnny West. The Winters Brothers. X. Neil Young. And now, live for Farmade at a concert for America, here's Willie Nelson.
There you go, 37 years ago today. Maybe you were there. I know a lot of you were. Maybe you were in that screaming crowd. A little younger back then. All right, 37 years ago today, Farm Aid, with all the great uh, music that was over there, with the rain and everything else. Got an interview or a text here. It says that today is the 30th, uh, 37th anniversary of Farm Aid. Dozens of performers, 12 hours, rain off and on, seventeen fifty per ticket. 80,000 people, amazing. Yep, Farm Aid, all those years ago. 938, Mark's up next. Hey, Mark. Uh, good morning. Um, there was an article on WCIA that has not gotten much uh, information, at least on WDWS or in the News Gazette, in that uh, the governor of Texas and the governors of Florida are going to be sending to Champaign-Urbana and Bloomington Normal over the next uh, 15 weeks, 15,000 uh, immigrants to the area. And I haven't heard anything. The uh, article quoted the mayors of uh, Bloomington Normal and the mayor of, uh, of Bloomington and Normal talking about what uh, the impact would be, and yet I've not heard a single word except from the University Place YMCA as to what impact this would happen, happen on Champaign-Urbana. Hmm. Okay. Next 15 weeks, you said. Next 15 weeks. Yeah. And it was on a website yesterday called Capital Facts, uh, which is run by someone I think you know, Rich Miller, mm -hmm. and he was talking about that. And yet I haven't heard a single word uh, locally uh, about this uh, from either WDWS or the News Gazette, or more importantly, our elected uh, officials in the county and uh, local level. That uh, what are we going to, if this is true, uh, how are we going to be able to uh, house, feed, and clothe and get medical care for uh, 15,000 folks? So is that the number, 15,000? Well, 1,000. A thousand per week for fifteen weeks. Um, that's fifteen thousand. Yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't uh, happened yet. With well, with all Champaign, the Champaign is a sanctuary city. Um, the council was very pleased. Uh, both councils were very happy to announce that they are. And so, uh, Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott is simply. Uh, letting those cities or these cities fulfill their uh, wishes. Yeah. And right. much like Martha's Vineyard, uh, I don't think that the uh, uh, city is going to be uh, able to uh, to deal with the influx of uh, immigrants to this country, to this to these area, to our areas. Where's housing? I mean, there's there's limited housing in Champaign-Urbana to begin with. What are you going to do with, uh, let's say, just 7,000? folks that suddenly where are the schools going to do yeah. where are the hospitals going to do well yeah it's going to be interesting i, I... but I, I but i really hope that our city leaders as i said the city leaders of bloomington and normal were able to at least have a comment but all we hear from at least in the article on wcia is uh the university place ymca talking about it yeah well there may be more to come I'm well, guessing well, at I some hope, point. I hope that I hope that our city leaders, especially um, Councilmember Beck, Councilmember Fulmer, uh, Councilmember Bruno, uh, can show us uh, leadership on this issue. Very good, sir. Thank hey, thank you. you. Yep, you bet. Nine forty-one at uh, DWS. 
And uh, what I was referring to was, you know, there are uh, obviously the the governor of Texas, governor of Arizona, governor of Florida, they've been, especially Texas, they've been busing uh, migrants up to all kinds of places in blue states, heavily Democratic areas. New York, uh, Washington, D.C. has been, uh, the mayor there has been, you know, asking for help from the federal government because they have not been able to uh, handle some of this, they say anyway. And then, of course, the Martha's Vineyard one is the one that, uh, I mean, if you want to stick a finger in the eye of of uh, liberal Democrats in particular and uh, when it comes to immigration and sanctuary cities and so forth, I mean, that was kind of the ultimate, um, you know, playground of the rich and famous, basically, on Martha's Vineyard is to uh, send them there. And they were there for, I think, 48 hours and then got moved over to Cape Cod. But uh, the reaction, uh, it, it was an attention-getter. There was no doubt about that. But I, I, you feel bad for these uh, communities down in Texas and in Arizona that um, are just being overrun. I mean, what, what do you do? How do you, just from a humanitarian standpoint, how do you help that many people? You know, forget the politics of everything else. It's just a humanitarian crisis at the border, and when the border is basically open, I mean, that's what you're going to get. And somebody had to get somebody's attention in Washington or New York or whatever, and um, or Illinois or California, wherever the case may be, to say, look, here's what we're dealing with. Here's a small sample of it. Deal with the border. Do something about it. And right now they're just not inclined to do much about it. At least they say they are doing something, but, uh, I mean, I think the pictures are pretty obvious. 943 at DWS on a penny for your thoughts. Back in a moment. Nine forty-seven. penny for your thoughts here on this Thursday on game day. On this first day of fall, which I guess officially arrives later tonight. So technically it's still summer, but hey first day of fall low of 44 tonight good to have you with us here on a penny for your thoughts lots of different topics have come up football a farm aid if you were there let me know 37 years ago just say i was there (laughs) because it happened over memorial stadium so that's a little bit a little bit interesting that it occurred the day we're having a football game at night over there so more history to be made a little more about i saw a, a column today about Martha's Vineyard and all that happened here with the uh, undocumented immigrants coming in. says, this new idea of redirecting undocumented immigrants from swamp communities on the border to more supportive sanctuary well-off cities might also serve as a ethical model for all of us on a variety of other issues. says, for those who object to establishing grounds for the homeless far away from urban parks and downtowns, might they instead offer their own yards to help spread the burden among the entire community? For those who mock the efficacy of border walls, might they take a vow not to erect walls around their own estates? For those who decry the inordinate carbon footprints of the consumer classes, might they pledge not to fly in private jets until catastrophic climate change abates? For all those who believe that natural gas is too carbonized to fuel to generate electricity or warm homes, can they pledge not to heat their swimming pools or cool down their homes below 78 degrees? 
For those who supported defunding the police and decriminalizing an array of previous misdemeanors and felonies, might they highlight the ensuing safety and security by not hiring private security guards? For those who feel that charter schools undermine the public schools as much as unionized faculty empower them, might they eschew private prep schools for their own students? The Martha's Vineyard experience marks a unique opportunity for modern bicoastal progressism, this listener says, <laughs> or this writer says. All right, uh, 949 on News Talk 1400, DWS, on a, a penny for your thoughts. Great to have you with us. Uh, good morning, Brian. I'll sum it up in one word, what the problem is at the border. Trump, not Joe, go Illini. Uh, good morning, Brian. Good luck to the Illini tonight. 949 at DWS. Uh, in regards to your previous caller about our new soon-to-be residents of Champaign, no, you haven't heard anything about it. That's how the Democrats operate. They hide in their basement hoping nobody notices. Sleepy Joe flies people all over the U.S. and nobody cares. These illegals will be the extra millions of voters the Democrats need. As for who will feed and clothe them, I'm sure that all of your Democratic voters will welcome them into their homes when they arrive. And hi, Brian. The government hiring 80,000 IRS agents instead of border security says it all about their priorities, the listener says. 950. Another break. Back in a moment. Hang on. We'll get to you here, callers, as we continue. But I got to get this in. I'm up against the clock. and headed for a high of 68, first day of fall today. All right, a couple of folks have uh, texted in and are listening. Uh, Let's see here. Jane says, I was at the first Farm Aid, and we are a farm family. Met some friends there and enjoyed part of the concert. Ed Bond tells me, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska for Illinois football that day. They lost 52-25 to to Nebraska. Kent Brown, we had on yesterday, said, I was there. Incredible lineup. All right, appreciate that, guys. Good to know you guys were there. And um, let's see here. Yeah, and Jane, we got Jane in there. She was at the concert as well. I'm guessing Jam and Jimmy Bean was there, probably. How you doing, oh, Jimmy? Absolutely. How I'm doing well, and your and yourself, sir. Yes, sir. Doing good. Very good. I absolutely was there. It was one of my first. Uh, one of my first. Well, it was the first big concert that I worked as a stagehand. Yep. Um, so as most musicians, um, there were only a couple of bands that I played in where I was making my entire living off of the band. Usually I was working other jobs and found, you know, since I knew a little bit about performing and this, that, and the other, that I might as well become a stagehand. Um, the day of Farm Aid, I had worked two shows at what they called the Assembly Hall prior to that, and I got a call kind of late that morning, um... Uh, the manager at the assembly hall needed another guy on the call for farm aid. Hmm. So I showed up and got my backstage pass. He told me the guy's name to report to at the stage. I went and found that guy. That guy tells me, look, our, our uh, intercom system between the stage and the tower out front where all the sound boards and spotlights and everything were, 
the intercom system had gone down and he said, your job today is, you know, you're going to be running messages back and forth from the stage to the tower. Hmm. So he sends me out to the tower and tells me, go, go report to such and such guy. So I go out there and I find the guy I'm supposed to. And he goes, look, I don't care what anybody else tells you today. You are my guy. You, you're not to do anything else today except run messages back and forth between the stage and the tower. I said, okay, that's fine. And I was probably standing next to him for all of about five minutes, and the intercom started working again. <laughs> so yeah. he says to me, he says, look, okay, the intercom's up again, but I don't trust it. And again, I'm telling you that I want you as my guy for the whole day. So he said, all I want you to do right now is go hang out backstage and you know, there's people back there you can check in with every once in a while and make sure the intercom is still on. But other than that, I just, I want you near the stage. And so that's where I was for the whole show. The intercom never went down again. <laughs> well, so and, the, and the pay was, the, and the pay, and the pay was the same. That's good. I'm, uh, the pay was absolutely the same. Mm -hmm. And I autographed a woman's certain body part over the, uh, over the uh, barricade. Yeah. And then when she looked down and saw my name, she said, who are you? You know, and I said, I'm the lead singer for Toys. Who did you think I was? <laughs> she said, I thought you were the drummer for Alabama. Oh. And then, and then she washed it off as best she could. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jimmy, well, that's, that's, a, that's a great story. Thank you, sir. Uh, my farm aid story. All right. There Have you a go. Day. Can't wait to be in my seats tonight again, front row in the horseshoe. Yes, sir. I and I go Illini. Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate yep. it. Nine fifty-seven. Running the messages for an intercom system that worked. That's pretty good. Uh, good morning, Brian. Yes, I was at that Farm Aid concert. It was the fall of my junior year when I was at the University of Illinois. We sat through the rain all day long. Finally, left before it was over because I needed to get to bed for class the next day. LOL. And Betsy says I was there with a young man from Ireland who was visiting the states for the summer. We're at Farm Aid. 37, count them, 37 years ago today, Farm Aid at Memorial Stadium. And here we are 37 years later playing our first ever night game on a Thursday at Memorial Stadium. So kind of historic uh, bookends there. How do you like that? That's pretty cool. All right, you can, you can send those in. I'll uh, work them in. If I don't get to them today, I'll work them in tomorrow during the course of the open line. So you can certainly... Uh, Keep sending those. See a lot, and it's going to jump in with us here. We'll talk royal family here for a while. And uh, if you want to jump in on that, you certainly can, too. Uh, you say, well, uh, yeah, i really, uh, really into this. Some people are, and some people aren't. Uh, hey, it's like a buffet, you know. Some people enjoy it. Some people don't. But uh, she's, uh, I think, the best I've ever come across with just being able to study the brand of the royal family and uh, give us an idea of what, what we do from here going forward without – Queen Elizabeth heard a uh, somebody pointed out that uh, James Bond has never worked for other one anybody other than Her Majesty Her Majesty's Secret Service. That's a good point. That'll change. WDWS Champaign Urbana here on this Thursday. Go Illini back after the news. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, 
WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at WDWS.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. All right, hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts coming your way here on this Thursday on game day, game night, if you will, tonight. And the Illini taking on Chattanooga at 7.30 at Memorial Stadium. Had a good first hour, a lot of open line conversation. And if you were at Farm Aid 37 years ago tonight, you can send in if you were there. Just let me know. Uh, and you can uh, pass that along, and I'll read your story maybe tomorrow uh, during the course of the open line. Uh, we're going to talk a little royal family here, a lot royal family, with Seal Otnis. And uh, from over at the University of Illinois, Professor Emerita, is that right? That's right. Yeah, did I get that right? Geese That's College right. of Business? That's right. So what does a Professor Emerita do? A Professor Emerita is a retired professor mm-hmm. who uh, keeps her relationship with the university uh, because I'm still doing research and I'm teaching occasionally and doing okay. service, some service, that kind of thing. So, yeah. 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 So it just sort of signals that they still want me to sort of have my name associated with the University of Illinois, which I'm perfectly happy to do. <laughs> <laughs> and the Geese College of Business. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a, the great, a great group over there. Fantastic so, group yeah. and getting bigger and more visible by the minute. Yeah. yeah. We've had you on before to uh, talk about the royal family and the brand, if you will, and we'll yes. get into some of that. Now, you were telling me we got a night football game. You grew up in the South. I did. You said. I, uh, my dad taught at LSU, so we went to the um, – LSU football games, and they were always at night because the weather was, you know, conducive to that all through November. And one would dress up in one's pantsuits and wear corsages. And the tailgating, as you can imagine, in a state that loves food as much as Louisiana was (laughs) off the charts, you know, so that Mm. was always quite a talk about rituals. Yeah. You know, this is a big ritual, of course, in America. Yeah. Yeah. What do they tailgate with down there? At LSU, well, you know, you uh, you uh, uh, you have all, a lot of Cajun things, right? Yeah. You have your big jambalaya pot, you have um, gumbo, so you throw some of that, and then you have your usuals. We don't have brats or those kinds of Midwestern things, you know. It's much more uh, Louisiana e, I guess I would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have had you, and always enjoyed having you on to talk. And you've done, I know, you do a lot of interviews, not just here locally, but across the country. On the royal family, because you called, told me you're, you're a royal watcher watcher. I am a royal watcher watcher, and last <laughs> week, honestly, uh, my husband came upstairs. I had been on a Zoom call for business, and he said, the queen has just died. Hmm. Five minutes later, the email started coming in. So, I mean, last week was – and one person wrote me and said, will you, will you commentate while the funeral is on live? And I said – I'm not getting up at 5 in the morning. I'm sorry because I have two other meetings that day and I'll be completely wasted. But, you know, of course, uh, for weddings in this country, for royal weddings, people often got up and put their Mm -hmm. tiaras on and had their breakfasts. Uh, But I don't know how many people actually got it because we have so much great uh, TiVoing and these kinds of technologies now that people don't necessarily need Mm -hmm. to do that anymore. Well, we knew she was at advanced age, obviously, 96. Yes, so it, it's, it's like our relatives. It's not a shock when it happens, but it still is a shock when it happens. 
I think it was a shock because two days before she had just, you know, accepted the new prime minister, who, by the way, read at her funeral two weeks after being appointed prime Mm. minister. She did a Bible reading. Um, And I think that uh, we all and Beatrice and uh, either Beatrice or her sister, um, whose name escapes me at this moment, um, Beatrice or um, I'll think of it in a second. Yes, Eugenie. Thank you. Um, uh, Said we all thought she'd just be with us forever. And um, so I kind of felt that way, and especially because I kind of thought, well, you know, her mother lived until she was 101. But I think there were just a lot of whammies that kind of took, you know, really took a toll on her. Prince Philip's death, she got COVID at a very advanced age, mm-hmm. uh, the Harry and Meghan kind of uh, sort of a crisis. And I think a lot of these things just sort of took their toll on her. I thought it was interesting, and uh, she had wonderful relationships around the world. uh, Nelson Mandela's family commented on how much friends they became. Um, And it was interesting, with all the different drama that goes on among the royals, they all loved and respected her. Absolutely. Which is interesting. Well, the queen was pretty unflappable. And, you know, I don't know if you um, saw this little incident last week with Prince Charles and the pen. Mm -hmm. Of course, he was had to be completely exhausted, right? I mean, the man had to grieve publicly and deal with all the transitions and everything, but this pen kind of blotted up on him when he was signing a document in in, 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 in Northern Ireland, I think, and he had like a big temper tantrum kind of on air, and you, you never saw the queen lose her cool mm-hmm. in 96 years, although I'm sure there were plenty of reasons for her to do so, but you just it wasn't her temperament. Mm-hmm. Well, King Charles, that's still comes off my tongue a little strange. Well, you know, yeah. people joke about how yeah. are they going to always think about wanting to say Spaniel afterwards, which is too bad. <laughs> but, you know, he is King Charles III, so if you throw the three in there, that might yeah. keep you from doing that. I saw a great article this morning in The Guardian that's, that a lot of people talk about how when he was a young man, his first speech about environmentalism was at 21 years old, and everybody thought he was a kook. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about pollution and environment. And now, of course, he is um, uh, he's proven to be completely right. I mean, if you think about Pakistan, one third of it's underwater, et cetera. Lots of climate change issues. Mm-hmm. But um, then they said, ironically, now that he's king and he's right, he's not supposed to speak up on things like mm-hmm. this anymore. He's got to take a more. So that's got to be extremely frustrating to him. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, because the queen, even no matter what she thought in private. And the crown kind of showed some of this, but no matter what she thought in private, she never publicly said, hey, my prime minister needs to do X or Y. We just, just watched this. Uh, we've been rewatching The Crown. It's very poignant to rewatch The Crown this week. And there was an episode where uh, one of her, someone told her to tell Winston Churchill to step down as prime minister because he wasn't doing anything. It was after this big smog fog incident in london Mm -hmm. and she was just about to tell him which was violating the constitution she was not supposed to say anything when the fog actually lifted so she (laughs) got off the hook on that one but uh yeah and it was a big the whole episode was about the moral dilemma of you know he's not doing anything but i'm not supposed to say anything so she was caught in this trap yeah yeah we're talking about the queen if you have thoughts along the way you can certainly share those we do have uh a caller on the line, I think about currency here. Uh, good morning, Carl. Hello there. How are you? Good. So, anyway, uh, a couple things. Uh, I looked up, I was just curious about the, the change 
uh, since the picture of the sovereign is on the money and on the stamps about all that kind of stuff, which I didn't hear mentioned. And it's kind of surprising. It'll take two years for the uh, the money to be completely have Charles's picture on it. Mm. Mm-hmm. In their estimate, and that's the estimate uh, from the transition because the money is not going to be the picture uh, of the queen is not going to be uh, taken away. Uh, you can still use that money, but it's going to take two years mm. for that, that transition. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was, uh, it's going to be in, would be interesting to find out how uh, they're going to allocate the patronage groups, the different groups that the queen um, was patron of, mm-hmm. divided among the family. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so Good she questions, had 600 Carl. charities. She was mm-hmm. a patron of 600 charities. And interestingly, one of the commentators um, for CBS when we watched the funeral was uh, one of the heads of the Scottish dancing, like folk, Scottish Dancing Society, which the Queen was a patron of. And uh, so she had a quite a wide range. Um, that is a great question because um, I assume, cause, because when Prince Charles was Prince Charles, he had his own charities. So mm-hmm. now you have his charities on top of her charities, and how much of this will go to the Prince of Wales and the Princess of Wales, who, of course, were uh, William and Kate, or mm-hmm. are William and Kate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't have, and 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 all that, at the same time, there's a talk of what we call a slimmed-down monarchy, sort of how many royals is Prince Charles going to take off the payroll, so to speak. Mm. Uh, so that's a really good question. But, you know, in my opinion, and, and, the, and I think and this is why the royal family still has a role, even though it's not a political role, this charity work, this ambassadorial work, is probably one of their most important roles in Britain. It's what keeps them relevant. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I know in uh, in America we um, there are a lot of people who are really interested in all of this. Oh yeah, and others who are like, why are we worried about the queen, the king <laughs> of England? Who right. cares? That's right. Uh, do you find that when you as you talk to folks? Is sure. It- um, we've always had a big uh, soft spot for the English ever since we kicked them out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And but if you, it's really more about the early. Um, Immigration waves to North America were primarily from, you know, that part of the world. And at one point, I think a quarter to a third of people could claim some sort of uh, descendancy from uh, someone from the U.K., right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's part of it. Can I address the currency issue? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I meant to get to that. Oh, no yeah. problem. No yeah. problem. So my friend from New Zealand, right after the mm-hmm. Queen died, this was the very first thing she said to me. We're going to have to change all the money, all the stamps. And um, I, I read that uh, somewhere that now people are really uh, scurrying to hold on to these pound notes, and they're, they're, get, they're trying really hard to gather up um, notes with the queen's face on them and stamps, et cetera, before this transition happens. I'm not surprised it'll take two years. Uh, it's a pretty big deal, and it's, I, it'll be interesting. I don't think I've, I haven't seen anything about the cost of doing this. But, of course... If you um, sort of amortize that over 70 years, it's not too bad. I mean, they've had her fa- – they've re- re- redone it a few times. Oh, have they? I was going to ask. I think so. Yeah. I think there's – I don't know if it was the original picture I, of her. I think yeah. there might be a middle-aged queen on there. But anyway, um, 
still, there have been like decades where they haven't had to do anything. So probably it isn't, you know, it's not as costly as some as mm-hmm. it could have been if we had five monarchs. Is she on the coins too? Yes. Or, okay. So the the bills and the coins. Yes. And the wow. stamps. And the yes. stamps. That's, That's right. Seal right. <laughs> Otnes is our guest. She's a royal watcher watcher. Professor Emerita from over at the uh, Geese College of Business at the University of Illinois. If you have any comments on the royal family, you're really into it. Maybe you're not, but if you are and you have some thoughts uh, on all of this going forward, we'll talk about the brand going forward in particular, the royal family, what that is uh, going to look like. We're at 1021 here on DWS. Let me get a break in. Back with Seal Otnes in just a moment. Ten twenty-four on a penny for your thoughts. Good to have you with us here. Seal Otnes is our guest. If you have some uh, work that needs done on your vehicle, Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair. I get a lot of great reviews. Douglas and Champagne says the car was extremely clean. The fix took only one day. I was taken care of immediately when I arrived. Everything went smoothly and fast. I would definitely recommend Gallo Miller. Haley and Tolono, your company exceptional throughout the whole process. It was fabulous. You touched up the extra areas that needed it and fixed the door ding. Derek in Urbana, my second car done by Gallo Miller. As always, the work was amazing. The testimonials are there. Gallo Miller, paint and collision repair, south side of I-74 between the Neal and Prospect exits, and in Champaign. Seal Otnes is with us as we talk about the royal family. If you have some thoughts, 1025. Uh, the funeral, um, I know you watched some of it, and um, it was a long procession. The the young men that carried the casket, oh uh, it was all pretty amazing. They have kind of come out as the sort of unsung heroes of this whole event. You know, I think we all, I think in an event this long, because, mm-hmm. you know, the coverage, I know, I think we had our TiVo going from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. <laughs> uh, uh, there's always people that you can tell in the service like this who are going above and beyond, and they had eight young men carrying it, and then two, I believe, in front and two behind. And the casket apparently weighed 500 pounds. Mm. Now, we all know that Queen Elizabeth probably weighed about 90 pounds of that 500, but right. it was a solid oak, oak casket, lead-lined, et cetera. And they had to act in precision, turn their shoulders so that they, you know, that this casket remained undisturbed, and then march in this, you know, kind of military um procession for very many they had many different times where they had to go quite along you know some 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 hurdles so the biggest one was going up to St George's chapel the steps they had to carry this cast the, the queen's casket up the steps so in britain they've become sort of folk heroes and there are all these movements about um buying them drinks and getting them setting them up in a drinks fund and i wouldn't be surprised frankly if we saw those young men receiving a uh, you know some kind of distinction from the from yeah. the from the king five hundred pounds yes yeah and there and were it, eight of them so divide from, that and yeah. put it on your shoulder yeah. <laughs> you and carry it a little while exactly yeah now you've walked that route you said the, so the long the, walk actually that part was in the they were in the in the in the hearse thank okay. thankfully but yeah. that long walk which was very moving uh, is from the queens from Windsor Castle to the statue of George the Third, which is very which isn't kind of an elevated path. So uh, all along the long walk, uh, the, there were quite a lot of crowds because you know this was where the Queen was coming home to be buried in St mm-hmm. George's Chapel, which is in the grounds of Windsor Castle. And of course, <clears throat> I read this morning that Hugh Grant absolutely lost it. He wrote when he saw the Queen's horse Emma 
who is 25, one of her oldest and more favorite horses, with the groom on the side of the uh, long walk with the queen's headscarf that we always saw her in when she mm-hmm. would ride horses. She would never wear a helmet, by the right. way, uh, draped across Emma's saddle. And, and apparently this was just a lot of people got really choked up about the fact that the procession included not only the uh, horses, but also the corgis. Right. Her so, beloved corgis. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number. Text line at two one seven three five one five three five seven, and you can email us talk at wdws dot com. Uh, visiting with Seal Otnes. It was funny um, as as I was watching all the ceremonies. And this went on for I don't know, oh, yeah. ten days or whatever. Right. So there is probably some fatigue because yes. I kept thinking, okay, this is it. Yes. No, that's not it. There's another service and there's another one. And so I have a term <laughs> I've been using around the house, which my husband said was too corny for radio, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> and that is that this wasn't a ritual. It was a ritual. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the British do rituals, cultural rituals, better than any country. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, there are monarchies all over Europe that are very popular. But when would you ever see this kind of outpouring for a queen? I mean, the the, uh, the Danish queen is apparently very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so... Uh, they just understand the value of pomp and circumstance and uh, allowing people to do things like camp out. People were mm-hmm. camping out. Like they would arrive at 7 at night, uh, and people were camping out with their grandchildren. I mean, they interviewed one young man, one man who had brought his granddaughter, and he said, I wanted her to be a part of history. And I think people understand there aren't that many opportunities for us to interact to be to say i was there you mm-hmm. know for someone who the world totally knew you know whom, whom the world re- uh, sort of respected i don't know how they get the numbers but they said four billion people watched i'm not surprised that's and half I know the world that yeah. um <laughs> something like 29 million watched in the uk which wasn't this wasn't as high as the soccer finals yeah, right really? they okay. were surprised <laughs> but um yes and you know from a from a commercial perspective if you think about what all those crowds meant, again, say the queue. You remember the famous mm-hmm. queue that everybody stood in. Some people yeah. stood in line for 23 hours. Yeah. <coughs> so there were, they had to have support for those folks. So they had food vendors, you know, beverages, porta potties, the whole thing. And there was David Beckham, I'm sure you know, in the queue mm-hmm. for 13 hours. Yeah. And several celebrities. And uh, so there was quite a lot of, I mean, I, I don't mean to put a crass perspective on it, but there was quite a commercial side to this as well. I mean, uh, it'll be very interesting. I've already seen plenty of ads for some tasteful and not so tasteful things to see what kind of, you know, memorabilia come out to commemorate her. Mm. Talking about the uh, passing of Queen Elizabeth, uh, let's see. What is the proper title for Charles's wife, Camilla? He is king, but she is not queen. Queen consort. Yeah. So... I I am not actually sure if it changes to queen once the coronation happens, but I think when Prince Albert uh, was the was prince consort, he was never made king consort, and this was uh, a little bit I think to not threaten Queen Victoria's power. Uh, but I think uh, queen t- consort simply means I'm not a royal by blood. But I'm married to a royal. So I think the consort word is really about, although Prince Albert was a royal by blood, but not a British royal. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it might be slightly a soft peddling because, of course, there is a little bit still of um, 
issues with some some people still have issues with Camilla. Yeah. yeah. I think I read an article where you were quoted where it's where she will kind of always in some people's minds be the other woman. Be the other woman. You know. Well, and the, and the older generations. Right. I mean, that's been a long time. You know, Princess Diana, we celebrate mm. well, we commemorated the 25th anniversary of her death this summer. So, it's I think I I think they do I think as time goes by but she will be crowned in the coronation okay. ceremony. So yeah. whatever that ceremony looks like, yeah. it might be a um, scale back ceremony. But yes. Yeah. When when will that be? When will they? Well, actually... so the the traditional um, uh, sort of s- status on that is you wait many months so that the you don't look like you're celebrating the new monarch before you've had time to grieve the old monarch. Mm. So typically it's like nine months. Uh, I know on the crown they said the queen. Uh, her coronation was delayed 14 months, partially because Churchill wanted to stay in power, okay? <laughs> yeah. which was interesting. But um, There was some travel, too. She had been traveling, right? Or, uh, or was, or was she was one? already the queen. Yeah, okay. she came back. Okay. But, but um, also, you want the weather to be good. Right. You know, I mean, people commented on uh, how when the last time there was a funeral, uh, it was winter. Mm. And you wouldn't see the crowds. And the weather in London was spectacular. I don't know if you also saw that when the Queen died, there was a double rainbow over Buckingham yeah, Palace. Right at that moment. Sort of almost. symbolic things. Yes, wow. interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, 1033. Let me get a news update in. We'll come back with more questions, if you have some, for Seal Otness as we talk about the royal family going forward. What's it going to look like? How long is Charles going to be around on the throne? We'll see. Back in a moment. 1036 on a penny for your thoughts. Ryan Dallas Real Estate, if you need to move a home, sell a home, whatever the case may be, make sure you uh, give the folks at Ryan Dallas a call or reach out to them, ryandallasre.com. Coming soon, program available. They've helped hundreds of families already here in this year, and we appreciate them as uh, I know you do. Ryan Dallas Real Estate, they are the, let me count this back to back to back to back to back, People's Choice Award winners. I think that's five now. Uh, that they've won, uh, courtesy of the News Gazette. And they uh, help sponsor our tent as well over at uh, Grange Grove. They'll be there tonight. So uh, Ryan Dallas Real Estate, give them a call if you have any uh, real estate needs, whether you're coming or going, as the case may be. 1037, C. Lotness is with us, Professor Emeritus from the University of Illinois, doing some research as well with the uh, East College of Business. She's spent years there. And talking about the brand of the uh, royal family, and uh, Queen Elizabeth has been laid to rest. Now, are all the kings and queens in the buried in the same air place or not? No, or, it's very interesting. Uh, the more of the current kings and queens are buried in St. George's Chapel, and it's quite overwhelming when you go because some mm-hmm. of them are buried in those crypts that then have the um, sort of life-size, mar- uh, you know, stone sculptures yeah. of them. You know, it, it, those sort of sarcophagi type mm-hmm. things. So, and then the older kings and queens are buried in Westminster Abbey. So, if you ever want to do the whole royal burial tour, you should go to Westminster Abbey, where you can see, you know, a, a, a lot of the older monarchs. Um, but when you walk in to St. George's Chapel, you can stand on the place where Henry VIII is in the ground. I mean, there's a plaque, you know, and, really? the, and I think Jane Seymour is buried with him, his third wife, who gave him his son. Uh, the, the beheaded wives are buried in the Tower of London. Okay. So, you know, there are several places you can go where wow. you can sort of honor. But the interesting thing about St. George's Chapel, I don't know if you 
knew this. So when when the queen was was brought to St. George's Chapel, she was laid on top of Prince Philip's um, coffin. Then they were moved. That's kind of a holding ground. They kept, Mm -hmm. you know, they were kind of waiting until she was there to join her father and mother uh, and Princess Margaret in a deeper crypt in a very private chapel. And last time I was there, you couldn't even uh, look in that. You couldn't even go into that chapel. That was the most private place. But you can walk all around uh, St. George's Chapel and see all sorts of royals buried around the um, perimeter. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah, so the the king uh, that abdicated is he? Is he? He is there? at Frogmore, which okay. is a, a ho- which is a home, uh, uh, and so is Wallace Simpson, the you mm. know, uh, the Duchess of Windsor. Okay, yes. A couple of uh, funny notes, side notes. Somebody pointed out to me that James Bond has been working for her. Majesty's Secret Service. Well, that has to change. That's true. Right. I hadn't thought so about that. There, actually, I, I did think about that. The coins and the stamps and the uh, currency are really just are really just probably scratching the surface. Because if you walk around London, there are lots of um, uh, places where the Queen is represented. You know, like uh, post office boxes, etc. You have to if it says ER on it, it's got to go because that's for Queen Elizabeth, right? Mm-hmm. ER too. Um, and so there will be a lot of a replacement of, of images and, and logos, if you will, and words and names, that kind of thing. The Royal Warrant, do you know about the Royal no. Warrant? Okay, so the Royal Warrant is actually an endorsement by the royal family of products and services and experiences that they say, that they basically endorse, kind of like a brand endorsement, except they get no money for it. So it's mm. even more uh, powerful. Imagine having the Royal Warrant for ketchup. Okay, yeah. so in other words, your brand of ketchup, I don't even know if there is one, but there certainly is a brand for tea. Yeah. There's a brand for welling, you know, rain boots, et cetera. And if you have the Royal Warrant, that's a, you get to put up a big display in your store uh, that signals that the royal household actually uses your product. Really? So there okay. is, they're all over the place. And again, <laughs> they may have to be... Um, uh, switched. Yeah. I don't know what they'll do with those. Now, yeah. Charles is, what was the, the other headline you saw? Charles is 73. He is. And what was the headline you said? Oh, you, the cartoon I saw said, uh, 73-year-old man finally gets job. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah. He has been waiting a long time. Yes, he has. They, they used to call um, the Duchess of Cambridge, Waity Katie, when she waited eight years, quote-unquote, to marry Prince William. I think that, I think Prince Charles has her beat. But, you know, it's kind of interesting if you do the math. So the Queen had a silver jubilee, Golden Jubilee, Diamond Jubilee, Platinum Jubilee. If he has a Silver Jubilee for 25 years, he will be 98. Mm, older so, than his mom. Yeah. Exactly. He has to outlive mm. his mother to have a Silver Jubilee, wow. and he just might do it. Yeah, he's yeah. got. I mean, he's got he's, the longevity genes. That's sure. right. They're yeah. a part of his family. There's no doubt about that. That's right. Yeah. What? Um, how has the viewpoint of him changed or adjusted over the years? I mean, he was. People went after him pretty hard with Diana. Yes, and but they also respect him for with his boys and how he. Yes. So tell me what. So, I think that this week, these last ten days, were a um, 
really showed an interesting uh, shift in the barometer in terms of his his uh, sort of reputation. Uh, first of all, I think there was a lot of pity for him because he did lose his mother. And, and I think, again, I think people were sort of shocked it happened that he barely got to the bedside. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, only two of them were at the bedside. Only Anne and Charles were there, although everybody rushed to get there, but they didn't make it. Um, so I think uh, because he has had to manage the burden of this public mourning and all of these events. And, and also, he went out and walked around and worked the crowds. He mm-hmm. and uh, not only, and which I absolutely hate this term that they use, the fab four for William, Kate, Harry, and Megan, because mm-hmm. they aren't. I mean, right. that was the term for the Beatles, who yeah. actually got along for part of their, for most you know, of the time. For most yeah. of the time. <laughs> but, you know, we're not going to see Harry and Meghan much, I don't think, after this week. I don't week, think so. But, no. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, Prince Charles went out. And shook hands and expressed uh, and let some woman kiss him on the cheek. And, you know, he, he went out and so did Camilla. So I think um, that is something he has learned that um, maybe from his former wife, I don't know, that you should be there for them to see you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Relate to the to your subjects, that's right, basically. That's right. Yeah. 1043 at DWS. Back with Seal Otnes here in a moment on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Ten forty-six. Visiting with Seal Otnis here as we talk uh, royal family after the uh, funeral and everything's done now with the uh, with the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, and uh, King Charles is there. Uh, the folks at uh, Roost by Roger uh, let you know. Of course, we had a hailstorm that moved through a good portion of our area. If you had some damage and you need to get a hold of somebody and figure out what to do going forward, give the folks at uh, Roost by Roger a call. You can go to their website, Roost by Roger R O D G E R and get all the information they do, everything from gutters and roofs and everything in between, anything related to that. But if you did have some damage, uh, make sure you get that A, checked out, B, get an estimate from them, a free estimate, figure out what to do going forward. So Roofs by Roger, one of our great sponsors, they're all great, on a penny for your thoughts. All right, uh, let's go to the phone here. Ray is with us. How you doing, Ray? I'm fine. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question for your guest. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Okay, Queen Elizabeth became queen in 1952 or whenever. Her husband was Prince Philip. Was he ever called a king or king consort? Because I heard you say that when Prince Charles, or now King Charles, becomes king, his wife will become a queen or a queen's consort. What is the proper name for her? And And was Philip a king or was he still the prince? Or a different name. So her proper name will be Queen Consort, and pretty much all of the spouses of the royal of the monarchs have that consort term. Now they don't always necessarily use it in, but the prince Prince Philip was never King Philip. Uh, he was always Prince Philip. I never really heard them use the Prince Consort term for him. Again, it might be sort of a slight hedge. Uh, neither Prince Albert nor, nor Camilla come in, came into their marriages with um, their reputations uh, of, of uh, that would lead them to believe that they would be totally accepted by the British. There, with Prince Albert, when he married Queen Victoria, he was a very poor prince from a Germanic region. So I think it might be semi a public relations kind of a thing. Whether they use that now. 
Technically, I think Prince Philip was the prince consort, but he probably wouldn't have stood for having that term used because he was angry enough as it was that the last name of the royal family wasn't changed to Mountbatten, which was his actual technical name. So I think they're all consorts if they marry. They all... They all are, uh, I don't even remember if he was crowned, but there's also this issue if you're a female queen that you don't want your king, your your male husband to have too much power. Uh, that that was kind of an interesting, an interesting issue. Mm-hmm. So I hope that helps. I mean, I think like a lot of things with the royal family, uh, it depends on how much they need to leverage that term to sort of soften the perception of that person being in the, in the household. Mm. Okay, one other thing? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those eight men that carried that coffin were fantastic. Weren't they? It were, I could not believe the uh, precision with which they handled everything. It was, it was, um, it, it, they were, it was just an awe to watch. I agree, and if you are very interested in this, and they're kind of taking on a life of their own in this whole narrative of the funeral, uh, I know that um, several of the news media have had actual stories about each of them, and I believe several of them were flown in from their units, from their military units, mm. and they had wow. been trained to uh, take on this role for many, uh, you know, the, I mean, they've been rehearsing, quote, London Bridge, which was what the funeral was actually known as, Operation London Bridge. Mm. Uh, so when she died, they sent around a message that said, London Bridge has fallen. You know, really? that was the code. Okay. Oh, yes. So um, wow. so though these young men have been, no doubt, um, preparing somehow and then, of course, rehearsed, I'm sure, several days. So, yes, I agree. I, I looked at their faces and I thought they know those cameras from all over the world are on them and there cannot be a single mistake. They can't turn that, that casket, you know, like one inch on one side skyward and – I was actually very transfixed by um, their precision and their preparedness. I agree. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, one other thing then I'd I'd heard, and this is hearsay, that the day that Elizabeth was crowned, they started the uh, preparing for her funeral. I don't know that, but I can tell you that, you know, uh, um, certainly the royal house uh has got that's, that's, has yes got it got everything uh, in line mm-hmm. they've probably started that's, preparing for prince charles's funeral mm-hmm. well okay i was just curious about that but yeah okay prince thanks. charles never called it king consort okay well thank you very much hey, i appreciate thank it thank you thank, thank you. you ray had another question here uh we can answer this real quick says so as your guest ask your guest what was the relationship between the last czar of russia and the queen's family and 1917. Oh, yes. Well, that's a sad story. So interestingly, um, George V, okay, uh, who was um, uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth's grandfather and Queen Mary, uh, George V was first cousins with the Tsar, okay, and they looked almost exactly alike, Nicholas, okay. Uh, And I know that – so when the – when things started getting shaky politically in Russia, I believe the Tsar and his family appealed to the to the UK to take them in as refugees. As to, and mm-hmm. I think that the um, king refused to do it. Mm-hmm. So this is probably what the um, question is about. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was not, I'm sure, a shining moment 
for the royal family in Britain because, of course, then they were all assassinated, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you ever want to see genetics at work, take a look at the picture of George V and his cousin Nicholas who looked like they were identical twins almost. Yeah. Now, the ones who made it, you said, by her bedside were Charles and Anne, That's right? it. Mm -hmm. And Anne is interesting. Yes. Uh, how she's less in the limelight. Yes. But well, Princess Anne... Uh, is always known as the hardest working royal. She has more engagements every year than most of the monarchs. I, it may be even in this recent years than the queen herself. Uh, and Tina Brown, who has written a really excellent book called The Palace Papers, has a phrase in there, and she actually brought it up on CBS when she was commentating um, Princess Anne is the greatest king that Britain will never have. Hmm. Because, of course, the rules of inheriting the throne uh, – kicked her out of the of the line of succession as soon as because women you know even though she was second the second born child as a as a woman she's behind all of the children of all of her brothers mm -hmm. so she's you know in the teens somewhere now yeah. because they've all had children but um yeah, and and, she, and you know she's a tough nut. She's a lot like her father. I, I think it's interesting how, how she's portrayed on the crown. Uh, a, a, a wonderful equestrian in her own right, um, and but she, you know, was stalwart and extremely stoic. I think she looked like Britain mm -hmm. during this week. During this yeah. Week. All right, uh, Adam. Let's skip the. Uh the Brent Musburger. Let's go to the break, and then we'll uh, get about a minute and a half break, and then we'll talk about the future here going forward for a few minutes. Got about five minutes left when we come back. And there you go, Ringo from the uh, Beatles, the Fab Four, as you call them. <laughs> That's right. The real Fab Four. That's right. Well, so obviously Charles will be king until he either decides he doesn't want to be or he's or he passes away, which I think he'll hold on to until for a while. Um, is yeah. is obviously William? Everybody that's of a certain age. Well, William's the future. William Correct. and Kate. Correct. Is that some of the brand going forward? Well, even on that note, it was very interesting that they chose to bring George and Charlotte to the funeral. Mm -hmm. Okay, because. George is now second in line to the throne, and he's like nine, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so people said the reason they did that was to stress the continuity, right? Mm -hmm. I think Charles will not give it up. There's, I don't see mm -hmm. any reason. He doesn't have to abdicate to marry the woman he loved. He's already right, got her. Right, yeah. uh, so as far as the brand going forward, I think there may be, quote, a slimming down of the monarchy. But the first thing that Charles has to do is figure out how to recapture the charisma that the queen had. Yeah. And he's got a he's got baggage that she did not have. She came in at 24. She was right. became the queen although she wasn't crowned until she was 25 and she um you know um was a young petite little fashion you know beautiful woman and um people grew up with her and uh, I don't think there's the under the sort of just this whole wellspring of affection for Charles. So he's mm -hmm. got to figure out how to make the people buy into keeping the monarchy viable. Because right after she died, there was already what they call Republican stirrings, which, you know, means something different over there mm -hmm. uh, about is it time to abolish the monarchy? Is it time for Scotland to leave uh, the mm -hmm. UK, et cetera? So these issues after a respectful period mm -hmm. will go away. Yeah. And then William, of course, people 
point at him and uh he seems to be pretty popular I think, with I everybody. Think we, he again, and have seen him grow up. And, mm-hmm. of course, his life was tinged by tragedy with Diana dying so young. And uh, he's, he's another one. He's not like Harry. He's not, he doesn't have a, you know, a, a short fuse. Mm-hmm. And he's more predictable. Uh, I think, again, he's just you know, the stalwart sort of British, mm-hmm. uh, not a foot wrong type monarch yeah. to be. Well, Seal, this has been fun again. Thank Always you. Is. Thank Thanks you. for having me. I know me. you said this is your last uh, your last interview for a while. This probably is my last the... interview about the funeral, which <laughs> after last week when I did about three a day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and God save the king and go a line on. That's right. Right. Game tonight. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Seal. This has been fun. Thank Always you. Always is. All right, Seal Otnes, our royal watcher, watcher officially for the program, and uh, we'll have her back at some point in the future, going forward. But um, God save the king, right? Going forward. All right, uh, 10.59. I'll be back, of course, tonight for Illinois football, Illinois and Chattanooga. Our pregame comes your way at 5.30. And from Grange Grove, we'll talk to you tonight for Illinois football against the Mocs. On WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, thanks to Adam Austin. The news is next at the Tone, 11 o'clock.